Have you ever had someone refer to something going on in the community who asked you, what's going on there? What's the story with all that? The right answer lies with the people directly involved in it, the people who know. Why not hear their story? So welcome to What's the Story, Pekin? I'm Gary Gillis, your host, and I hope you enjoy this Pekin podcast. Well, my guest today is someone who was one of the original guests when uh, What's the Story, Pekin uh, premiered probably what, a couple of years ago, and that's Len Ely. Uh, when Len was here, he was assistant superintendent of uh, Pekin Grade School 108. Uh, and his many years of hard work, dedication, and devotion paid off to where now he's returned as our superintendent. But before we begin, um, I want to have Len share a little bit about another passion of his, and that is being an ultra runner. Uh, I've known Len for quite some time, and I remember several years ago, he attempted to run a 100-mile run, and a lot of us questioned his mental acuity when he wanted we to attempt do. that. <laughs> but... Um, he did. He made 52 miles of it. I thought, well, that's quite an accomplishment, and you should rest on your laurels. Well, recently, he attempted it again and did yeah, it, yeah. a 100-mile run. And what I've researched is that takes more than a day. It's a 20 to 30 hours of, of running. I think the record's 19, um, and, and it's just like, wow. So, Len, welcome, but I want you to tell us that you did accomplishment, and, and, and how did you accomplish that? I had a lot of support. I can tell you that right now. I don't think anybody can do it without the support. Um, so I had that. You're right. I've had this crazy goal for about uh, 14 years and been kind of running all summer and just decided to pull the trigger about three weeks before the competition. And wow. uh, the race was down in Tunnel Hill in Southern Illinois. And went down there. You, you get 30 hours to finish it. Um, I had a plan. plan was to use all 30 hours. And I used 29 hours and 51 minutes. Um, and then, uh, so like I said, I had two friends, um, Jeff and Brian, that came in and helped uh, run with me the last 35 miles. Uh, my wife, Stacy, was there for six, and she absolutely hates running. And uh, my daughter, Tegan, did nine of it. But I couldn't have really done it with other support. Really? And we I just guess. kept slugging away. So That's just amazing. It's painful to even think of. How long did it take you to recover? You know, this is amazing. Still working on it? No. Oh. It only took muscle-wise like three days really uh feet-wise with the blisters and everything i'm sure. still recovering from yeah. that one so i'll let you know in a couple of weeks well that's <laughs> that's that's quite an accomplishment and well, congratulations and speaking of things you hope to accomplish you've shared with me some of the goals you have for 108 and you're here mostly today to talk a little bit about a major project that you've announced but perhaps we can share with the community in a little more detail yeah and let me give you a bigger picture too and next month we're going to start moving into doing a strategic plan for the district and getting input from community and families and so this is kind of that first step in that direction this was plans that were started maybe two years ago and are fully developed now we're doing a, a renovation of the Broadmoor junior high this is the first renovation since it's been <coughs> built in 1976 mm-hmm uh, give you some background that the Broadmoor is uh, was built on the open school concept that came out of the late 60s and 70s sure. so think of a, a, a warehouse with a f- few pools throughout the th- support beams and then that's pretty much it and the idea was to be flexible so you can move you know you have large groups together or small groups together and the concept uh, never really took off and but unfortunately we had the building and we had some restrictions about how you could put walls in there due to the 
HVAC mm -hmm. systems and on all those types of things. So it's been a long overdue process to put walls in there. The sound is really loud. It bounces off from one end to the other end. Um, all the rooms are kind of divided by partial walls or bookcases or or partitions, you know, sure. things like that. And so this is an opportunity that we saw that we could take thanks to the ESSER three grants and some monies that come from the federal government based on the like, COVID response. Mm -hmm. And it's putting in a new HVAC system that's more efficient for uh, kids and, and for the building. So in order to do that, well, if we're gonna put a new HVAC system in, why don't we just put in, go back to putting a walls and, and, and more space that we could use and define better. Okay. So how would, structurally, or I guess since this is audio only, um, is there some way you could verbally create a visualization of what people would expect to see when they... So when go they back to the, the warehouse concept. You walk in, you've got this huge ceiling, um, open space where you can see really far. Every classroom kind of opens up into the center, mm -hmm. and you can see into the classrooms. So there's not much there. And like I said, there are bookcases that kind of uh, take place of walls and partitions and things like that. Uh, the innovation lab is really an open space in the middle. So when you're doing an activity in the middle and the sounds out there in the, in the groups, so it's kind of a, a broader space that just hasn't really been defined or we've tried to define it or the teachers have time, tried to define it over time. Wow. Yeah, I went to a middle school that I think was probably one of the pioneering schools with that concept. And uh, you thought it was pretty cool because everything was open, but then when you started trying to learn and be educated in it, it was a challenge. I, the one thing we thought was so revolutionary was instead of blackboards posted on, you know, concrete block walls, um, the walls were all, you know, basically chalkboards. And they remember that they were that olive green, and you could write on it from floor to ceiling. It was really cool. But in the back, there was a little bit of like a you said bookcase type of partition. And when classes were changing, the hallways were just, you know, very disruptive. And it was just, and then it was a module, so the offices were in the middle. You could see go see your teacher there, but it was, you'd go in one door and be someone else coming to see another teacher in the other door. It was just, just odd. And the, uh, the food service area was, uh, it was revolutionary in that there was no kitchen. It was. Uh, vending machines, a hmm. huge wall of vending machines all across the board to where you could have things heated and you could have ice cream and all these other things. But it was just the, the sound was was extremely loud. So everything was open and the sound carried. So I'd, I'd be anxious to see what it's like today, but I wonder if they've changed, and I venture they probably have. So I can see why. Yeah. yeah so other, other plans we can expect to see in 108. Any other changes? Well, let me go back to Dirksen a little bit. So just give you a sense of what's going to happen. We're going to put like 18 classrooms in there that are going to be enclosed. We've got a new uh, nurse's office and mm -hmm. counselor's office in the back. We have tripled the number of bathrooms for students, uh, which was we had one bathroom for 400 kids, and now we'll have three. Uh, we'll have an innovation lab that's state-of-the-art for students. And so, uh, and the commons area, which is this huge cafeteria area, we're going to be enclosing that as well. And that'll help out with sound and confine that a little bit. And then um, some new lockers throughout the building and a new visual way to look into the school, the classrooms for safety reasons. And so we're very excited about that. So that's what so we're coming Well, up. speaking of eliminating the daily disruption now, because it won't be that open concept, 
in terms of the turnaround time for this to happen, what, how long does that take, and what's the outcome in the interim? Well, that was the big change that we had. So originally the plan when we worked on this back a year ago, the goal was there's two phases. Phase one would take place this last summer. It would conclude in November, which it just has, and we're on schedule, so that was great. Phase two is divided into three parts, A, B, and C. Those A, B, and C is happening over summer. So instead of closing the school down, what we do is we'd start in June, take everything down out of that work area, that one-third of that place we'd work in, work as much as we could, reinstate everything back in place so that we could start school again, and then complete that process for the next three summers. What we learned from this last summer during phase one was we lost maybe two weeks to three weeks of construction in the front trying to get everything out Mm. of the way. And then we lost about two or three weeks at the end to put everything back back in place for school. So three summers was pretty ambitious. And of course, as we started talking to our architects, they kept saying, well, you know, this is going to cost more over time. It's not very attractive to general contractors because they don't know if they want to commit to a three-year project. And so just by random chance, I said, what would happen if we could do it in a year? What would happen if we could pull that off? The architectures went to work. They said, well, you could start to finish. We can come out the backside. You can run school. You could use the front of the portion of the building as well. Um, we could probably save about 10% of the cost. Mm-hmm. Took it to the board. The board was very supportive after saw the plans, and the architect talked about it a little bit. And so now we've switched phase two from the three summers to one school year. So starting in June of 24, Um, We'll begin moving things right away at the back of Broadmoor, and we'll be working all school year. That'll be closed the entire school year, and it should be done projected about April, May. Of course, you know how things go. Probably about June, July, but they'll have that finished and completed, and we can be able to move kids back in there. Unfortunately, that's going to cause disruption for our students. Um, We're going to – we try to think about where could we place our students? Where could we take 400 kids from Broadmoor and place them? We really looked through across town, looked at other uh, facilities, some things that we had, and it just it wasn't going to work. But as we looked at uh, space we had at Early Childhood Center mm-hmm. on Cook Street, they could take Dirksen students. Dirksen is a part of the Broadmoor campus, sure. mm-hmm. so we could possibly move Dirksen students over to Pefec, the Early Childhood Center. We could take the Broadmoor students out of the in- the instructional area that they're going to be working on move them into Dirksen, continue to use the commons area because we'd still be able to do that. That'd be a priority we do over the summer this year. And then use the gym to continue to do the extracurricular activities. And so it's going to require a little bit of uh, support and patience sure. on our students and families as well. Um, you'll have their early childhood center going on with right next to the kindergarten and third grade group. And then we'll have Broadmoor moving over into the Dirksen Center. But it should only take a year and, and, and both buildings will be brand new again because what we're doing is we're expanding um some work for dirksen as well new bathroom uh, area in there as well as new sprinkler systems just to upgrade and modern right. life safeties so the community or especially students of that age or their families have to be prepared for a little bit of a little bit of change it'll be right. yeah, yeah. we keep communicating every newsletter we talk about uh, the changes coming up and sharing that and yeah. as we get into the plans we've just got the um the bids came in mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, I, I think we estimated the base project would be about $8.5 million, And then alternative bids on top of that was going to equal another point, $1.5 for a total of $10 million. 
uh, the bids came back, and I'm, I'm pleased to say with all the alternatives, the base bid, everything like that, it came to 8.14, um, hmm. almost a 25% savings sure. on this bid. And so those are other things that we could use you know, funding for to help improve other sure, parts other of their facilities. Yeah. yeah, Well, good for you. Yeah, we're well, very excited about that. Can't say we look forward to it, but I think we look forward to the outcome. That'll be, exactly. that'll be a good thing. So very good. Um, I know when we talked last, it was just post COVID, and one of the part of the conversation was, you know, will there be? Uh, how do you make up for lost time? Is there a progress report in, in that regard as to the things that you're doing and the the uh, uh, successful efforts you've achieved in that regard? There's a couple things that we kind of use as uh, kind of assessment or benchmarks to see how we're doing. Our um, Illinois Assessment for Readiness report has come mm -hmm. back. And we have moved almost all but a couple, all but one school has moved into um, a comprehensive. They've been, ex you know, they've, they made it. They've done a good job. Mm -hmm. um, we've got one that's still working on it a little bit, but that's been a big change. At one time, we had six of schools in that comprehensive targeted area, and they moved out of that. Um, so we're very happy about that. Um, we're looking at local assessments and kind of watching students' progress, and they're slowly progressing. Those interventions that we put in place um, at all levels seem to be working pretty well. Okay. It's taking time. It's going to mm -hmm. take time because when you lose out on a, you know, a third of the school year during COVID shutdown and then you've got uh, remote learning going on, it was sure. a difficult time. But we're slowly getting back to where we want to be. Good. Good. Well, the thing I think that's scary to parents or scary in general, I think, is the increasing rapid nature of change it seems to be occurring exponentially. And, and how do you prepare young people for that changing future? Uh, you know, there's, and that's why I think in some ways education is a, a little bit under some public scrutiny, if you will, and more of a national mm -hmm. basis for are we properly preparing our students for a successful future, and especially in the context of, of now there's more of a social mechanism and a cultural mechanism that seems to create a little bit of controversy is time being spent in the classroom to prepare those kids for the future or is it to, to meet some kind of almost political construct well i've seen is uh, to deal with the social emotional aspects of of learning one of the nice things we've done we've added counselors in every building now and i think i mentioned that last mm -hmm. time that was our right. plan um we're looking at doing more assessments on social emotional levels to understand where kids are how we can support them that way. But in the other uh, realm of it is proactiveness. And what I mean by that is teaching kids to think critically, teaching kids to, th to think, to, to socialize and understand the other person's point of view, mm -hmm. be able to debate and respect one another on those things. Sure. And those are the things that I think we're looking for down the road, sure. you know, to understand what you're reading, understand what perspective that person that wrote that is from, how to compare it with other materials and things like that, and how to think critically and make your own decision based on you know real facts. Yeah, it's it's important. I think that kids be taught how to think rather than what to what think. What to think? And yeah. there's I agree. I th think a little bit of social pressure with that, but it really depends on kind of what media outlet you tend to tend to follow. Um, I think it's I think it's great the job you're doing. I think it's great the. The progress and the focus the the board has uh, you can just see it having a, a grandchild now i have my kids gone through uh, peak in schools and now a grandchild uh, 
it's it's comforting and reassuring to see the things that um, he's learning and uh, uh, just watching how kids interact and how the teachers interact and uh, so congratulations and not only assuming this important role but the leadership you're providing and uh, the future of the school so best of luck uh, we will have you back after you do your next 200 mile run. okay I don't know what the record I is. may not be back for a while I once saw a TV broadcast <laughs> of something where some guy was a marathoner that was running across the United States and it was it was well when do you stop and he says well I, I really I just don't just keep you just keep running and it was well, well don't you take naps well sometimes I'll find myself nodding off a little bit as I'm running how do you work that and then it was how do you eat so well I call ahead to the town ahead I'd have somebody go get me something I could pop into my mouth so maybe I order a pizza and it's a pizza mm-hmm. roll up and pop it in my mouth as I keep running so that's that's amazing but it is an example of what someone can accomplish when determined to do so and uh, here you had this personal accomplishment and you're overseeing kids that you want to also endow with the belief in themselves they can achieve whatever they so desire as long as they're determined to do so so again congratulations thank you for being here Mm -hmm. Uh, thank you to you for listening thank you to Pekin Library as always for providing uh, the space I would invite people down I practically live here uh, checking out a book almost every other day Uh, but it is a great crown jewel for the uh, for the community and thanks to Mike Eaton our our sound guy uh, for his always important assistance and um, again uh, thanks for joining us and have a great day